630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. James texting into the show. He says if Leon doesn't get to 50, at least he has Rob Brown around to console him. <laughs> well, I don't know if that's Rob's area of interest. <laughs> has anybody have ever had that as a job? A professional athlete consoler? It's okay, LeBron. You tried hard. Don't worry, Sydney. You'll score next game. In 100 years, no one's going to care anyway. <laughs> that's, that's dark. That's dark. Inside Sports on 630, Chet. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. All right, Western Hockey League playoffs. Blades and Raiders just getting underway in game one of that series. AJHL playoffs. Just getting underway, Crusaders and Saints in Sherwood Park. The best of seven is tied 2-2. Early in the first period in Brooks, Bandits and Okotoks are scoreless. Brooks is up 3-1 in that best of seven. In the NBA, the Hornets now leading the Raptors 108-106 with two minutes left in the fourth. The Blue Jays and Cleveland tied 2-2 in the bottom of the seventh. NHL tonight. Ryan Dezingle, big goal for Columbus. They're on a 1-1 tie with the Rangers five minutes into the third. If the Blue Jackets win, they are in, and that would end the playoff hopes for the Canadians. Chicago leading Dallas 1-0 late in the first period. Patrick Kane, his 43rd of the season. Kings and Ducks will face off in about an hour. Oilers practice today. At the downtown community rink, a lighter practice. Uh, Manny Viveros was lo- running a lot of the drills. Ken Hitchcock actually watched from the stands. The Oilers did a full-on scrimmage. Everybody on the ice, two pucks, and everybody had to shoot wrong-handed. And uh, then they did uh, some sh- just some shootout fun. They did another kind of half-ice type thing. So a lighter practice today as they go into their final regular season game tomorrow against Calgary. And, of course, we have it for you on 6.30, Chad, with the face-off show at 6.30. And the puck will drop at 8. We, uh, we had that really emotional, excellent documentary on earlier today, one year later, the story of the Humboldt Broncos. Encore presentation tomorrow at 3 in the afternoon. And then we will also have live the memorial vigil Saturday at four the uh, one-year anniversary of the tragic bus crash this weekend at Rogers Place they got the logo at center ice the Oil Kings logo now at center ice they host the Calgary Hitmen seven o'clock game one tomorrow five o'clock Sunday game two that should be a good showdown and the general manager of the Calgary Hitmen Jeff Chenoweth Jeff welcome to Inside Sports how are you doing I'm doing very well, Reed. Thanks for having me. Well, it's great to have you on the show and, and a lot to talk about with your team. This is an exciting series to see the Hitmen and the Oil Kings going head-to-head. But, Jeff, I, I want to jump back in time first to the very beginning of this season, and I was I was double-checking the, the game log today, and I believe you guys started 4-10-1, and and you wound up 36-26-6. So, I, I mean, it, it didn't get off to a great start. Tell me a little bit about those struggles out of the gate and how the team stuck with it and wound up with a pretty good record on the year. Well, it's kind of weird because in a sense that we got off to a great start in the exhibition season. I think we were the Memorial Cup champions in the Western Hockey League for the uh, exhibition season because we were a perfect 6-0. and But uh, that came uh, to a crashing halt early. And uh, when we started uh, 
playing for real there in September. We actually were zero five and one in our first six games and one seven and two in our first ten. So you know we uh, we did not get off to the start we wanted to. And you know I think in fairness, uh, Reed, that a lot of it, uh, a lot of our players and even our assistant coaches. That's three different head coaches in three years, from Mark French, Dallas Ferguson, to Steve Hamilton. And I think there's an adjustment period for all players and all staff. And it it took a while. And uh, once we got everyone on the same page and uh, for me we started to play better the beginning of November but really took off the middle of November when we did our U.S. trip and you know from that point on obviously you're playing catch-up but I thought that that's where we started to take strides and be a competitive hockey club. Well, and and you're always facing challenges throughout a hockey season. It's it's a long road, and, and I also want to hear your your story for Game Six and Seven against Lethbridge because you're at home, a chance to finish off the series, and you're almost there. And Lethbridge ties it and then wins it in overtime, and you got to go back onto the road and uh, and win a Game Seven on the road, which you came out storming in and, and got the lead. But man, that's I mean, I look at that, Jeff, and say, man, that's another tough moment where a group of players, you know, could have crumbled or hung their heads, but but clearly they were able to stick with it too after that Game 6 disappointment. No question about it. Uh, they're a very resilient group, and uh, you know we started that series going down two nothing. And uh, you know we talk. Everyone talks about Game Six and us coughing up the lead at the end. And we would have taken a Game Six when you were down zero two to start the series and coming back. And uh, you know the kids dug in, and uh, without our captain Mark Kastlick for Games Three and Four, we started to you know started to play like the way we thought we could play. And uh, against a very good Lethbridge team, got some confidence, which a victory can do. And then carried on to Game Four, and then in the game. Five, you know, with the turn with, with the world curling being in Lethbridge, uh, uh, the Hurricanes had to play at the Nicholas Sharon Arena, so there was really no home ice advantage for them in five or seven if we came to. And uh, I thought our two better games in Lethbridge were obviously games five and seven. But you know, we persevered. Uh, we came, we battled back in game uh, in game six. Uh, we were down three one early. Uh, we battled back to eventually take the lead. Coughed up the lead like you mentioned, and then lost it in overtime. But it didn't really damper the group. I think that. Uh, you know, they, they, you know, they're a young hockey club that's learning how to win, much like the Oil Kings, two really good, young, talented hockey clubs that, uh, you know, that you have to you have to face some adversity at some point in the playoffs if you're going to have success long term. And I, I think both groups did that in the first round. Jeff Sinell joining us on Inside Sports. He's the general manager of the Calgary Hitmen. Their series against the Oil Kings starts tomorrow at Rogers Place. Hey, Steve Hamilton is your head coach. Obviously, he was here with the Oil Kings as a head coach and an associate coach uh, here through some tough seasons with the Oil Kings, but he, he got the highest of the highs as part of that staff as well. I've known Steve for, well, by, over 15 years, I want to say, uh, back in my days covering the AJHL, and he used to coach in the Alberta Junior League. So I've always had a, a lot of respect for him as a person and his ability as a coach as well so you know tell me a little bit about getting Steve on board an experienced coach and, and also his journey with the group this year well Dallas Ferguson was our head coach last year and uh, Dallas uh, came to us from the University of Alaska Fairbanks and uh, in the in the NC2A route and I think that his family had lived in in Alaska they didn't come with them and it was just tough for them to commute and uh, so he just resigned last year to you know cuz he just it wasn't fair to with uh, two young kids and uh, you know, he ended up getting a job at the University of Denver as an assistant coach, and, uh, you know, he moved on. So, you know, we weren't looking to hire a head coach. We were all excited about coming back for a year or two with the trades we made last year and our younger group maturing. But uh, when we when Dallas did make that decision to move on for family reasons, we felt as an organization the first criteria was to hire a head coach with Western Hockey League head coaching experience. 
Uh, both Mike Moore and myself are very familiar with Steve Hamilton. Mike interviewed uh, Steve here in 2014 after the Oil Kings had won the Memorial Cup for the vacant head coaching position. And four years earlier, I had, uh, in Kootenai, I had interviewed Steve for our head coaching position there. So uh, both of us were familiar with him. Uh, we had a great group of, uh, you know, people that had applied for the job. But, uh, you know, Steve just separated it himself, and I think it's his track record. Uh, he had success at every level, like a level like you mentioned, both in the AJ and in the WHL. And last couple of years, it's been a little you know, a bit of a downturn for him, and that's the cyclical nature of major junior hockey. But he's an outstanding coach. He's a great communicator. He's a teacher by trade, as everybody knows, and I think that's so important with you're dealing with that 16- to 20-year-old age group today. Okay, well, Jeff, you've been around the league. You've been around hockey. There are a lot of great rivalries in hockey. I don't want to undersell or underestimate some of the other communities that have a distaste for each other across the uh, prairies and into BC and the states. Having said that, this is the Battle of Alberta. Uh, <laughs> is there anything like it in your mind? I mean, it's got to be cool to, to be a part of it here coming up. Well, it is for me. and This is the first time I've experienced it, you know, obviously in the junior hockey ranks. I've only been in Calgary for a couple of years. I, we had quite a rivalry with Calgary while I was in Kootenai for a number of years and a number of series. Uh, but, I mean, this is the Battle of Alberta. I mean, it's the mini battle with the, the junior teams. But, uh, you know, two great organizations. And uh, I think that, uh, you know, I think two organizations, as I said earlier, that are kind of heading in the right direction. Uh, some good, uh, good young talent on both teams. And, I mean, I don't think it'll take long to get the the not I want to use the word hatred but the hostility going the the adversity or not the adversity but the the intensity is ramped up in the playoffs and uh, you know you want to keep playing so there's no one wants to give an inch and I think that uh, you know with the history between the, both teams both the organizations have had lots of success, success over their junior hockey careers uh, I think it's going to be an exciting time for all the players involved. Well, I'm looking forward to this one. Uh, it, it worked out well to get Calgary and Edmonton going to head-to-head. It's always fun. Jeff, it's really great to have you on the show. I hope we can do this again. Really appreciate your time, and enjoy the series. Appreciate that, Reed. Thanks for having me on. That is Jeff Chenouth, the general manager of the Calgary Hitmen. They go head-to-head with the Edmonton Oil Kings starting tomorrow at 7 at Rogers Place. This portion of Inside Sports presented by Furnace Family, Edmonton's furnace replacement Experts, call 7804-FAMILY or visit FurnaceFamily.com. We will have the Oilers game tomorrow night, a full week of inside sports next week. Man, that is going to be fun. We're going to have some good stuff. Uh, it sounds like we'll have the Oilers doing garbage bag day on Sunday. Uh, it sounds like right now, tentatively, Bob Nicholson to hold his final media availability on Monday. But, of course, we will keep you posted. Hey, love this segment. When we get back this week, 6.30, Ched MVP. this this is wires from red fang well you just say that again you were very quiet uh red fang wires well you just find all the interesting music don't you i, I have an ear for it <laughs> that's good uh this person writing into 630 630 oh my here's a cheeky one patrick the person did put a little smiley face at the end. Reed, can you either confirm or deny that Toby Reeder finally scored in the wrong-handed scrimmage today? Oh, my. 
Poor Toby Reader. I'm laughing, but I'm I'm a little hurt. But it's 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 funny. It's tragically funny. Tragically funny that he has not scored a goal. What's more likely tomorrow, Leon fifty or Reader one? I think it's Leon fifty. Clearly, I, I mean, yeah, I guess that's pretty a kind of a dumb. What would question. be a bigger crowd reaction? What do Oilers fans want more? If you yeah. could only pick one, Reader to get one. There's the question. Leon to get question. his fiftieth or Reader to get one. I would say it's probably Reader. You'd sooner have Reader get his one. I w- I'm speaking on behalf of all the fans. I think that you know it would be it would be a bigger surprise. Oh, I want right? to know what you think. What do I think? Yes. Uh, how do you personally I'd like to see feel? Reader get and one? I know you're I not would. a huge Oilers fan, but obviously you follow the team since yeah. you work here and stuff. I'd like to see Reader get one. You'd I sooner would. see Reader get one. Drysaddle said yeah. himself, like I don't care if I get 50. 49 is a big accomplishment in itself, and he's right, right? I think he's just a nice round number. I think he cares quite a bit. <laughs> well, he's playing it, playing Pers- it close to his chest personally. I think he would really like to get 50 goals. But that that is an interesting question. If if you are an Oilers fan, if you're one of the, f- I mean, we have 14 listeners as we know. We now know we have one Calgary fan because he's been texting in. Uh, by the way, the Calgary fan who's who's having some fun with us, he said the Calgary Stampeders will play in the Grey Cup six of the next seven seasons, and then he wrote back two two minutes later and said, "Okay, five of the next seven. Well, they have been in three straight Grey Cups, and they, they should have won all three, so i got to hand it to him for that. Uh, who, so as an Oilers fan, if you're so would you tomorrow, if you could only pick one, Reader gets his first of the season or Leon gets his 50th, which would you want to see? There's the hypothetical question of the night. Hey, it's time to meet this week's 6.30 Chet MVP presented by Elite Promotional Marketing. You've also seen this athlete on Global News. The video can be found in the MVP section on 6.30Chet.com. And the MVP gets Under Armour Apparel courtesy Elite Promotional Marketing. And I'm pleased to welcome to Inside Sports, Lisa Kitwanda. Lisa, you're on with Reed. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. It is nice to talk to you. Thank you for making time for the show. I know you're a very busy young lady. What grade are you in again? I'm in grade 11. And you're going to St. FX? Yes. Now, can you please tell me in your own words, how did your cheer team do this year? Amazing. Phenomenal. (laughs) Yeah, we had a really good season, and we're on our way to Provincials next week, actually. So you've won the city championship? Yes. And who was some of your top competition there? Um, I'd probably say um, W.P. Wagner and Harry Ainley, but yeah. Lisa, you're going to have to fill me in here because I fully admit uh, my knowledge on cheer team competitions is relatively low. Yeah. At a competition, what happens? Do you have to do multiple performances? Do you get judged just on one? Take me through it. Well, basically, um, our competitions begin with our warm-up, so we get 15 minutes to warm-up. And depending on if it's a two-day competition or one-day competition, um, we perform once per day. And after all the teams perform, perform in every single division, we do have awards. Okay, so yeah. you guys were, were able to win. Had you ever won the city championship before your school, do you know? Uh, well, this is my first year of high school cheer, but I'm, I know our school in the past has won city championships for cheer. Okay, who's your coach? Um, our coach is Miss Mattern. And what makes her a good coach? Well, she's really understanding and 
she pushes us to our limits, but not to a point where we completely hate her. And she really knows how to work with us. And she's just a really amazing coach. Like, I feel everyone on our team personally, like, can connect to her on a deeper level. So it's really nice. I think you should make your coach a mug at the end of the season that says, Coach, we don't completely hate you. I think she would appreciate <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah, because, well, she always worries about us hating her, but we all love her, so. Now, I saw the story Quinn Phillips did on you on global television, and your coach called you a nurturing role model. Yes. How would you describe yourself? Is that accurate? Well, at competitions, I don't really get that nervous. So um, I always try my best to just kind of uplift the team, and if anybody's feeling kind of low or is, like, anxious i always just try to help everyone out now how come you don't get nervous is that a quality you've always had or did you have to teach yourself to be calm in big moments i feel like that's a quality i've always just had like i don't usually get nervous in any type of situation so i think i get it from my mom from your mom no is your mom uh, an athlete too or or where does she have that from well, I mean, she's just a great person, and she was the one that encouraged me to join cheer this year. So, no, no, is it true that you were doing cheer when you were younger, and you stepped away from it for a while? Yeah, it is. So, like, I started cheer in junior high, and then I quit to focus on basketball. But um, my mom was the one that encouraged me to join again this year. So, all right, so you got you got back into it. How many how many people are there on a cheer team? Um, it depends on how many stunt groups you'd like to have. So, like, every, uh, we have 17 people on our team, so we have three stunt groups. But some people, some teams like to have more people. Now, what do you do? Do you do any of the the flips and acrobatics? Uh, yeah, I do tumble actually, but my main position is a back spot. Okay, so it's called tumbling. Thank you for. Uh correcting my yeah. poor use of the terminology. Now, so you're in grade 11. I know you got provincials coming up. Would you, do you think you'd like to continue with cheer beyond high school? Have you thought that far ahead? Yeah, actually, I would love to do cheer like throughout university or maybe go into all-star cheer outside of school. I'm not exactly sure yet, but I would really love to continue cheerleading in my adult life. Do you have any, uh, you know, athletes that you consider role, mod- role models or athletes you admire? Um, athletes that I admire, like um, specifically in cheerleading, I'd say my favorite cheerleader is a girl named Angel Rice. She's um, a really famous cheerleader in the States, and she's really amazing. Okay, awesome. Now, when are provincials? Provincials are next week. And where are they? Um, it's in Airdrie, Alberta. Okay, so the whole St. FX crew is going down. That's going to be fun. Lisa, yeah. congratulations on being this week's 630 Chet MVP presented by Elite Promotional Marketing. You have a great story. I can tell you're uh, a really positive kid, so keep going with that, and thanks for making time for us tonight. Thank you so much. Excellent stuff. That is Lisa Kitwada from the St. FX cheer team, the city champions, hoping to make it provincial champions as well. Well, this is going to be fun. From your Edmonton Eskimos, Elmondo Sewell, when we get back.
Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Columbus closing in on a playoff spot, leading the Rangers 2-1 with a minute and a half left in the third. Blackhawks up 1-0 on the Stars early second period. Kings and Ducks later. Blue Jays in a 2-2 tie in Cleveland. Bottom of the eighth. The Raptors lose 113-111 to the Hornets. Western Hockey League, it's 1-1. Saskatoon and Prince Albert, 12 minutes into the first period. AJHL tonight, both division finals on the ice. And it is one nothing for the Saints leading Sherwood Park in the first period. No score, Okotoks and Bandits in the first period. That Saints-Crusaders series is tied at two. Brooks is up 3-1 on Okotoks in the other series. Oilers tomorrow, final game of the season. 6.30 face-off show, and the play-by-play will start at 8 right here on 6.30. Chad, my name is Reed Wilkins, and I'm pleased to welcome to Inside Sports right here in studio for the first time ever defensive lineman Elmondo Sewell. Elmondo, how are you doing? Doing pretty well. How's everybody doing? Uh, well, we're doing great, and we should throw out to people. Uh, we can You can interact with Elmondo, so if you got a question for him about uh, life as, uh, as an Eskimo or uh, defensive play calling or his favorite restaurant, you can Tech 630, 630. I want to go all the way back with you, though. Okay. Tell people where you were born. I was born in um, Buff Bay, Jamaica. Uh, small, like, um, small village. Like, if you want to call it that way, on the coast. So, yeah. Spent my half my life there and uh, moved to New Jersey when I was 12 years old. All right. So, growing up in, uh, in Jamaica, just what was... I mean, Jamaica has... A reputation, but <laughs> tell tell me what its life is is actually like there. It's pretty nice, you know. Everything is laid back, you know. The whole island lifestyle is is true. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. If you've ever lived on an island for a long time, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So, yeah. No, were you an athletic kid? Yes, um, grew up playing soccer and um, cricket. Oh, cricket, really? Yes. How, uh, how old were you when you take Because Because the way I understand it, like if, if you're a kid, you could start a game of cricket when you're six and it finishes when you're nine. <laughs> Seems about right. <laughs> I mean, it was, a, it was a smooth transition. As soon as I got to the U.S., I picked baseball up right away, and it was it's all the same to me. So, yeah. All right. So I imagine in Jamaica, was it soccer like almost out of the womb? Like you must have been kicking a ball around by the time you were probably, what, two or three or four? Somewhere around there. Yeah, somewhere around there. It's very like soccer culture and very like track and field. So did everything, you know. My dad was, was a big sports guy. So, I mean, you got to get out of the house to do something. <laughs> How many siblings? I got um, three sisters. And were they athletic too, or are they athletic? Yes, they're very athletic. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So wow. your dad's into it, your sisters are into it, I assume your mom, or yeah. at the very least, she was supporting? Yeah, of course. You know, our middle, my middle sister, Amanda, she, my dad always saying, you know, she might be the first Olympian in the family, so <laughs> keep our fingers crossed. <laughs> How old is she? Uh, she's, what, 17 years old. Oh, so she's still coming up. Yeah. Uh, and where, where does she live? Uh, New Jersey. Okay, and is she? what does she do? Uh, she does the field events, so um, discus, shot put. Yeah. Okay. So a bit of an age gap, though, between you and the youngest one, eh? Yes. Okay. So, and then, okay, so you're a kid playing cricket. Like, Mm -hmm. how soon do they, what age do you get into cricket in Jamaica? You know, as soon as you you understand the game, (laughs) you're going. (laughs) You know, I didn't really keep an age on it, but, you know, once you can play, you can play. (laughs) Because cricket is, it's one of those sports I feel like Canadians, North Americans, now, I guess maybe I'm speaking for myself because I've seen it where I, I feel like I understand it, but I don't get it. If you don't, <laughs> if you don't, like, because sometimes you can get six and sometimes you can get four and mm-hmm. 
sometimes the, you, you can run, but you don't have to run. Like, it's there's just some little details I don't quite get. Yeah, it's a very complicated game. You know, I haven't played it in quite a while, and I probably lost some knowledge of just how you're supposed to play it nowadays. But, you know, every once in a while, I skip past one of the ESPN channels, and I see it on TV. I'm just sitting there like, wow, you know, that game was actually fun. <laughs> <laughs> so you moved to New Jersey when you're 12. How yeah. come? Uh, my dad just wanted a better opportunity for us to, you know, grow in, you know, New Jersey, in the U.S., um, you know, prove to be a better place to go. What do you remember about coming to the United States from Jamaica? Was it was it hard to fit in? I mean, was it hard to be accepted with, with kids your age? No, no, not at all. You know, I was pretty much like a personal guy, you know, like, but, you know, the first thing I remember was we got off the plane. It was about what? I want to say it was about the middle of February, and it was snowing, and I just couldn't believe how just how cold it was. <laughs> I mean, you come out of a place where the coldest it gets is what, like seventy-eight degrees on a bad, bad day, <laughs> and then everything else is in in the nineties. So it's just like, <laughs> yeah, you never knew you'd wind up in Edmonton, did you? No, I did not. The coldest <laughs> place on earth. <laughs> okay, so what's a bad weather day in Jamaica? Just rainy like, or not even? Hey, rainy days, you know, like, especially during hurricane season. Well, so yeah. it'd be like about 78 degrees, you know, so, yeah. But the hurricanes don't usually hit there? They usually do, you know. Oh, they do. Yeah, okay. they do. They do. So a lot. that's pretty scary then. Yeah. Yeah, but if you live far enough inland, you're you're fine. Okay. Yeah. Almondo Sewell joining us in studio tonight from the Edmonton Eskimos. So you get to New Jersey, you're 12, you said. Mm -hmm. uh, so you've already got a cricket and a soccer background. Uh, and then you mentioned you'd get into baseball. Yeah. When did football become a thing? Um... You know, it became a thing like right away. My dad put us in, I put me in flag football right away, and I just, I, I just gonna do it. <laughs> it's one of the, I, I, I got home one day, I was just like, this is just too soft. <laughs> I can't do this. <laughs> and he just, he was so disappointed in it because he thought I didn't want to play any sports anymore. I was like, no, I want to play tackle football. Like, I see it on TV all the time, so sign me up for this. <laughs> he was a little bit worried at first, but you know, he got over it. Because I assume the NFL was big enough in Jamaica, even when you were a kid, you knew, you knew about it, you'd seen it. I'd never seen it. Oh, you hadn't until ne you got I'd, to America. Okay. Yeah, never seen it before. <laughs> All right, so you you loved it. Yeah. And did you want to be an offensive player or a defensive player? I was a running back, actually, the whole time. <laughs> so, yeah, a lot of people don't know. I was a running back all the way up until, what, about 12th grade and played linebacker here and there, and then, yeah. You know, it's amazing because I usually interview Eskimos about their their football history because there's a lot of different stories mm -hmm. and for some of the Canadian it, it's different now in Canada but it mm -hmm. used to be a lot of Canadians didn't even start till high school yeah. now Canadians are starting at a much younger age too as I'm sure you know which is which is great but it's amazing how many players switched positions and often in high school or sometimes not even till university and then they yeah. make it pro at what's a relatively new position yeah I didn't switch to D tackle until what my my sophomore year of college that's when I first really? started playing D-Tackle, yeah. So, okay, so what did you get recruited to Akron to play? I uh, got recruited to Virginia at first oh, as a sorry, linebacker. Okay. <laughs> and then from linebacker, I got went to Akron U. And, you know, uh, <laughs> Sean Lemon, could, he, could, he, he could chime in on this. We, we used to go to the spot <laughs> down the street. They used to have these wings called Honey Goals. We just couldn't stop eating them. Gained 30 pounds, and they were like, oh, no, you have to go on D-line. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> You're way too big to be a linebacker. 
<laughs> All right, yeah. so you went from a running back to linebacker to uh, to D lineman. What was it like playing uh, NCAA football in Akron? I mean, that, that's such big time, exciting ball, isn't it? Yeah, it was nice. You know, it was probably one of the smaller schools on my recruiting list. And you know, when I came out of high school, I came from a very like prestigious high school, um, Hargrave Military Academy, where you know they bring in seventy five athletes in and seventy five athletes going straight to D one. I had 85 offers coming out of high school. Really? So I could have went anywhere I wanted to go. Wow. But, you know, I got kind of burned out a little bit. And, you know, I chose a smaller school on on my list. And, you know, it proved not, it panned out. It was just like one of my better choices I had. Okay. So. Well, and then uh, eventually you wind up in Edmonton. But so you play, you play at Akron. And then what were some of the opportunities after NCAA? Um, I didn't get drafted, which was, you know, it was disappointing. Yeah, <laughs> Quite disappointing. You, how do you think you were close? I mean, did teams talk to you? Where do you? I think was you close. Were? You know, I thought I was. On, they had me projected to at least get drafted, mm-hmm. and then you know it just didn't happen. And you know, it was disappointing. So the next day, instead of sitting around pout- pouting about it, they had a tryout in Cincinnati, um, Ohio, for the Edmonton Eskimos, an open tryout. And I remember I drove down there that that morning. It was like literally like the next week on a Saturday I drove down there I got there and what people don't realize about these open tryouts everybody and their mother thinks they can still play football (laughs) (laughs) so you know they used to use this old saying like diamond in the rough or whatever and you know you get down there there's 200 guys out there trying out for the Eskimos and it's just like I mean, how can you focus on one or two guys, you know? So, I mean, you got to stand out. <laughs> so, but but you said everybody thinks they can play. So yeah. there were some individuals who perhaps obviously couldn't play, <laughs> to be polite? At least half. <laughs> okay, so you as one of the better athletes, <laughs> you, you knew right away, okay, I'm not the worst guy here. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I mean, you go down, you eyeball everybody, you're just like, you shouldn't even be out here right now, but I mean, you got to live your dream, I guess. <laughs> so what, what do you think you did at that tryout to stand out a little bit? You know, um, I did pretty well on my combine testing, so I placed in the one percentile that year on everything, so that, that helped me out a lot. Um, I ran a fast 40, and like um, that's where I met Paul Jones actually, and yeah, that's what that's what happened. 2011 was your first year with the Eskimos. Yes. And so was Cavis the coach? Yes. Okay. So yep. so you wind now when you're trying out for the CFL. Here's mm-hmm. another question I always ask, especially the American guys, and I get different answers depending on how far north or far south usually players okay. grew up. Uh, what was your knowledge of the CFL before you know going through the tryout and becoming an Eskimo? I had no no knowledge of really? it. Really? I didn't even know where um, Edmonton was. <laughs> you like, knew, So you knew, did you even know there was a Canadian Football League? I didn't know at first, no. no. <laughs> the only, you know what? You know, we actually had a couple guys that went to Akron U that are Canadians, like um, like Jabari Arthur. He went down to, he played in Calgary. Yeah. Uh, one of my roommates in college, uh, Hassan Hazim, he actually got drafted by the Eskimos, but throughout the trade and everything like that, he ended up playing in Hamilton. But, um, you know, um, I, they never mentioned it before. They just was like, yeah, we got a we got a team up there. But that was about as far as they went into it. So okay. when I drove down to this open tryout, I said, Edmonton. The only thing I remember about Edmonton is that they have the I got a really big mall here. <laughs> That's about it. That's true. That's true. And so you know, I had to do my little research, and yeah, oh. 
All right, so uh, so you're impressive enough to uh, to make the team. We got Almondo Sewell in studio from your Edmonton Eskimos. They are about six weeks away from the start of training camp, so we're uh, rolling into football season. If you have a question for Almondo, you can text us at six thirty six thirty. We'll keep telling his story when we get back. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Some guests on Inside Sports get gift certificates to Northern Chicken. Enjoy a cold craft beer or a great glass of bourbon with modern soul food and other tasty treats at Northern Chicken, 10704 124th Street. Almondo Sewell now has a gift certificate to Northern Chicken, but you may share it with your teammates. I'm going to give it away. I'm on a diet right now. <laughs> Seasons. <laughs> Okay, we got some text to 630-630. Jordy says, uh, Almondo seems to be one of the lucky individuals who was born with natural talent, but how's his golf game? I shank everything to the left. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm getting there, I'm getting there. (laughs) So, Jordy, it's a work in progress. (laughs) John says, uh, hey, Almondo, I laid down a ton at a fundraiser to purchase a size 42 game jersey signed by you. How many guys do I need to hire to put it onto my size 41 body? <laughs> I, don't, I don't think we need to. <laughs> there is always a struggle getting in that jersey, <laughs> especially taking it off after the game, man. I got Sometimes I want to cut it, and I get this look from Dwayne like, don't cut it. <laughs> so. But the D lineman, you got to wear the tight jerseys, right? So you can yeah. be held. Yeah. You got to hold, you got to wear them tight so, you know, he can't get grabbed. So, yeah. Vic says, of the new players the Eskimos picked up, who do you most look forward to playing with? Um, Larry Dean. You know, with JC being gone, you know, it's a, that's a that's a big hole to fill. So, you know, Larry Dean's coming in. You know, he's, uh, I had spent some time with him in Niagara a couple, well, what, about a month ago? Me and him was in Niagara Falls. So, you know, he's a really good guy. So we'll see what he has to offer when he gets here. East nominee for Defensive Player of the Year. You got Javon Santos-Knox as well. Uh, uh, the three new linebackers coming in, Anthony Orange in the defensive backfield. So, uh, I mean, Trevor Harris, the quarterback, as, as you know, probably unfairly, is always gets the headlines. <laughs> it should be the D-lineman, right? Of course. It's always got to be the D-lineman. Do all uh, the dirty work. <laughs> you know, and Ellingson and Daniels coming in. But it, it, it from my point of view, the the defense and with the addition of Philip Lawley, you know, maybe that's the, the unit that got the most improved over the offseason. Yeah, you know, I mean, you have one of these sayings will say, you know, um, defense wins championships. You know, um, Brock went out this year. He addressed it. Brought a couple of really good guys in. And, you know, it it's all depends on how fast we're going to gel right away. Hopefully it's just like four or five days in the camp. You know, everybody gets on the same page. That's just like wishful thinking right there. But, you know, you got a lot of talented athletes on defense now where it just, we just got to learn how to play together. Tell me a little bit about gelling as a defense because you have, like you're doing a totally different job than what Mm -hmm. Anthony Orange or Arjun Colhoun are doing, right? So, but how do you, how can a D lineman feed off what a defensive back is doing or vice versa? You know, when a, Put it like this: When you got a guy, when you got a defense that plays a lot of man, you know, as a D lineman, you got to realize that well, they play man coverage. You got at least an extra like, like maybe like a couple seconds in there where you could be able to get a sack, you know, make something happen, at least make the quarterback run around. But you also like stressing out the DB at the same time. You have to get to the quarterback when you play man. It's the same thing where like you know, if the DBs are playing zone. 
we're depending on them to make sure they're at their landmarks, they're playing their zones. You know, we could be able to get there too, but we all have to like depend on each other. It doesn't matter if he plays like cornerback and you're at DN or D tackle. I mean, all of us are like, like you know, depending on each other. Put it like that. Speaking of D lineman, Kweku Boateng made a pretty big splash last year. Mm-hmm. What's what's he like? You think he's think he's still going to get better? No, he's only going to get better, you know, like um, I've been here for quite a while now and you know, you you pay attention to like all the players that come around the league and I've always said it too, Boateng is by far one of the better Canadian guys I've seen them draft in the league. I'm not talking about a Canadian guy that that was born and raised in Canada but went to a U.S. school. I'm talking about a Canadian guy that was born in Ontario, stayed in Ontario, played college ball in Ontario and end up being that good. You know, so it's it's rare that you actually see that. Usually some of those guys, you know, take them about a good two, three years to develop. There was no real development with him. It was more like he came in. Uh, we had a, a crazy D-line coach. I mean, <laughs> the D-line, well, they'll, they'll, they'll bat me on this on Casey Crehan, but, you know, he really, like, he got it out of him. Like, no, like, there's no developing. You got to go right now. And, you know, he took it to heart, and then, you know, all he did was work on it, work on it, work on it. I mean, he's not as athletic, athletic as the rest of us, but, you know, he worked on it. Now he's up there now. And also in defense, the change is going to be Philip Lawley as the new defensive coordinator. He was here working with the defense when you guys won the Great Cup in yep. 2015. I know Coach Jones was, you know, head coach and defensive coordinator, but mm-hmm. Coach Lawley was heavily involved there too. What What is his uh, his personality as a coach? How is he going to help you guys? No, Coach Lawley is pretty much like, a, you know, in-your-face type coach, which, I mean, he's old school. He's been at Auburn since, <laughs> boy, I don't know. He survived so many coaching changes at Auburn. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> he's, he's been in for quite a while, but, you know, well, you can go looking into Coach Lolly's history. Um, Jones actually learned his defense off Lolly. You know, he come in, he, he's here now. We had him in 2015, and he always preached to us on the same, you know, we got to run to the ball, get to the ball, get to the ball. You, co- you get many guys to the ball, you get turnovers. The whole point of playing defense, you know, you can't be selfish. You got to play as a unit. And that's his whole, like, preaching right now. Were you surprised to see Chris Jones go to the NFL? No, not really. I mean, you've been in the CFL for so long, you know, getting to the NFL as a head coach or or any type of coaching spot. I mean, that's probably about as high on the list as you get. This texter says, what is your goal, Elmondo, for 2019? What do you think you'll bring to the Eskimos defensive line? Um, my 2019 goals, you know, I usually write it down at the end of the year. You know, I'm a hard critic on myself. You know, I, I, I take things so hard. I had a really crappy year last year. So you could, I'm saying it right out of my mouth. So, you know, this year is going to change a lot. And I'm way better shape now than I was ever before. So I'm excited to see what it looks like on when we put on the pads. Okay, well, I got to ask you, why do you call it a crappy year? Yeah, I don't count seven sacks as a good year. That's a spot average as it gets. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so more sacks. That's what you're. That. More sacks, more, more tackles, <laughs> more doing a lot more everything. <laughs> Almondo Sewell from the Edmonton Eskimos joining us uh, in studio. Who's your favorite quarterback to sack, or is it going to be Mike now? Favorite quarterback to sack. Ah, me and Mike got some issues to work out on the field <laughs> when we play BC. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Is it going to be weird playing against Mike? Well, I could touch him now. <laughs> I don't have to listen to um, Coach Moss in the background saying stay stay, stay away from the quarterback. <laughs> so, yeah. 
We'll see. Uh, Armando, you uh, so what do you, what's what's the ramp up now between the start of? I mean, obviously you're you're staying in shape throughout the off season. Will you change your training at all now that it's getting a little bit closer? Uh, about three days out, I'll stop. I'll go down, go see my buddies at uh, Modern Gravity, and do do some um, float therapy. And that's usually what I do. Get my recover and then yeah, get ready for camp. All right. Uh, what are some things you like about living in Edmonton now that you've made it your home? Uh, Edmonton, like, I like Canada. Don't get me wrong, but Edmonton, I love Edmonton. Edmonton is always going to be a place I'm at. You know, um, regardless if I'm playing for Edmonton or not, I'll always live in Edmonton. It's like one of the best places I've ever been to, truly best place I've ever been to in my life before. And like, um, I mean, it's cold. But that's why they have direct flights to Mexico. So <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Well, you guys get. It's funny the CFL season. You get to cover all the seasons. Yeah. It starts in the spring. We don't have get, a spring here. Oh, no, true. Spring is pretty short. But you get the nice hot weather in the yeah. summer, and then uh, <laughs> that's another thing with some of the American guys. They they've who've come up here in May, mm-hmm. and they've said to me. Yeah, I moved up here, and I thought, why do people keep saying how cold it is? Like, it's beautiful, and it's light mm-hmm. out till 10 o'clock. And then October and November hit oh, for yeah. the playoffs, and then they're like, oh. Yes. <laughs> it's a different different city and a different game, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's when people don't want to tackle. <laughs> you start seeing them take these high, the head hunting shots, and yeah. Um, I, I know you still got a lot of playing days ahead of you, but are you still interested in uh, police work when you're done? Yes. No, definitely interested, you know. Um, that's something I've always wanted to do. And, like, um, I'm taking necessary steps right now to make sure it's all done. Um, I'm still working on my Canadian citizenship right now. And once that's done, I could just keep playing ball. And once ball is over, going straight down there the next day. You and you, and you went to Virginia for a while? Um, I played in the high school ball in Virginia. And it's, okay, so are you, because they're the, the, the universities in the Final Four, right? Yes. Are you pulling for them? Um, I don't really pay don't attention. Care? All right. No. What, what do you like to watch if, when you're not playing football? You into, like, have you gotten into the Oilers? I'm a, I'm or, a baseball like fan. Like baseball? Who's yeah. your baseball team? I'm a Mets, New York Mets, Mets. guy. Mets, okay. 1986, great yeah, team. you're right. <laughs> Got to update the scoreboard here, Almondo. The Blue Jackets are going to the playoffs. They beat the Rangers in a shootout, so Montreal will not make the playoffs this season. How about this? Blackhawks up 3-0 on Dallas. That's in the second period. Kings and Ducks later. Blue Jays lose in the bottom of the ninth. 3-2 to Cleveland. Raptors lost by 2, 113-111 to the Hornets. Western Hockey League, the Raiders lead the Blades 2-1 after 1. Don't forget Oil Kings in Calgary tomorrow at 7 at Rogers Place in the AJHL. Second period, 1-0 Spruce Grove leading Sherwood Park. And also in the second period, Okotoks up 1-0 on Brooks. Almondo, thanks for coming in. No problem. That is Almondo Sewell from your Edmonton Eskimos. Dave Campbell's the producer of the show. Patrick Bauer is the studio producer. Tomorrow at 6.30, face-off show. And then the game at 8, Oilers and Flames. I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks for listening. Chad, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.